Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, it's kind of weird recording right now knowing that in a couple hours, there's going to be some Villanova basketball on, a little Thursday matinee. Yeah, com- completely forgot about that. I don't know. I don't know why they're having the game so early on a Thursday on the week before Thanksgiving. Like if it was the week of Thanksgiving and you're not having early games, I, you know, I'd I'll be for it because you know I'm assuming some people take off before or a whole week before. I don't get it. A little weird, but hey, hopefully everyone's able to listen to the game at work somehow, some way. I don't know how, but be cool. I will be listening. I will be having the separate monitor with the game on. I'm pretty excited to have some Villanova basketball in the background. You know, it's good practice for March Madness when you got to minimize the screen real quick as your boss walks by. You know, it's good. It's just good practice. Good a little warm up. <laughs> I guess you're not wrong. I, it is a good way to warm up for March, but it's uh, some people just don't have that benefit, Eugene. I, I would be one of them. <laughs> Gonna have to find the radio stream somehow i will say though i was totally in with you i almost forgot about the 11 30 tip off so i put in all the games into my calendar before the season started and then when i got the little alert like the little reminder that the game was tomorrow i thought that there was some sort of typo or some sort of mistake because i was like 11 30 that that seems a little bizarre like i thought it'd be like a night game or something but then a double check and there you go a little morning hoops which honestly i'm not going to complain i kind of like it I know it's going to be rough for some people who want to watch the game that won't be able to during the workday, but there's nothing better than being able to enjoy some Villanova hoops, start your day, and then ideally it would be a win and you can kind of celebrate it for the rest of the day. Sure. That's a very positive way to look at it. I look at it as kind of sucks. You just can't watch, but hopefully it's the start of a little tournament run that ends in a finals game that we will be able to watch. And hopefully it's against a uh, formidable opponent this time around, unlike the past. Well, last year they played Florida State at the final, but I always feel that Villanova gets ends up getting hosed at the end uh, with playing a formidable, good opponent as the tournaments go on. But hopefully that changes this year. Yeah, we're going to get into the Myrtle Beach Invitational in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to take a little step back and just give a huge shout-out to Alan Ray and Jim Washington. Yesterday, Villanova announced that it will be retiring the jerseys of Alan Ray and Jim Washington, two Villanova alums. Alan Ray, obviously, he was kind of one of the catalysts, I guess you could say, to help jumpstart that Jay Wright era, help bring Villanova back towards the top. Him, along with Kyle Lowry, Randy Foy, just like those guys, those mid-2000s guys that helped bring the program back into the national spotlight a little bit. And he was one of those game changers. And then Jim Washington... Class of 1965 alum. This guy was just a monster on the boards, a Philadelphia native, played for Jack Kraft, the legend. He is one of the top rebounders in Villanova history, and he was Big Five Player of the Year in 1965. Ultimately went on to the NBA, played for over a decade in the league for a number of different teams, most notably the Sixers and the Bulls and the Atlanta Hawks, who were at the time were the St. Louis Hawks for a little bit. But this is the first time Villanova is going to retire a jersey since 2011 when Alan Ray's former teammate Randy Foy was honored and he had his jersey retired. Chris, I don't know much about Jim Washington, but I know Alan Ray is one of your boys. He is. He's probably my favorite Villanova player of all time. And he was on, like you see, as you were mentioning before, he was on those squads from in the mid to early 
aughts that kind of put Villanova back on the map. And just as a mental note, this ceremony is happening against Kansas. And if people remember correctly, one of Jay Wright's biggest victories with Alan Ray on the squad was against Kansas in 2005. So I think that's pretty cool that they're doing that there. Uh, but yeah, Alan Ray was on those mid-odds squads that got me hooked on the Villanova basketball. I, I made mention on this podcast before my dad went to Villanova and big Villanova basketball fan. And, you know, I probably would have still been watching even if they were bad. But the fact that those squads were really good and he was a huge, huge part of that re- got me involved in the Villanova basketball. That 05-06 team was magical. That whole run through the Elite Eight. Just an absolutely great team with Foy and Lowry complimenting Ray and Sheridan and Dante Cunningham as a freshman and Curtis Sumter when he was healthy and Mike Nardi had everyone. It was just a magical, fun team and Alan Ray was a huge part of it. It's kind of funny. It's, he's not even my favorite player because of what he did on the court in real life. It's because of what he did on the court in virtual reality, I guess it is. And he was my boy in the NCAA 2K6. Spotting <laughs> uh, up, up from three with him was automatic. And back then, I didn't understand why they were always number 14 or number one or number three. So I always had to put, input the names, and he was always the first one I put in. So just a fun player to play as on Xbox 360 in 2006 and also a great player to watch on the court. I always made sure I watched him uh, night in and night out. And just to see him spot up from three, I always had a feeling it was going in. So it's a great honor to see. And it makes me recall those, those 2000s teams that were just really, really good and got me started onto this whole Villanova basketball craze. Yeah, and I do love the timing. Like you said, it will be against the Kansas game, which is very, very cool. It'll be the first time that Kansas comes to the Wells Fargo Center since Alan Ray had one of his signature moments as a Wildcat. I also remember that there was this huge blizzard. I obviously didn't experience it. I was, like, way too young, and it was before my Villanova time. But you just hear the stories of that night, and it sounds really cool. I'm kind of jealous that I wasn't there. And, yeah, on paper, it sounds like a giant hassle, but I would have loved to just celebrate a wild win like that out in the snow with your friends just messing around after that game. Oh, man, it's uh, like just I wouldn't even care if it snowed after that. I would I would walk home barefoot if it mattered. Like, as long as I was enjoying it, oh, man, sounded like such a great <laughs> time. Pretty jealous. Pretty jealous I never got to experience that. Yeah, same here. I mean, looking at the highlights on YouTube of that game, it just looked lit overall. I mean, just inside the arena, God knows what would have been like after the fact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, just one little other thing about Allen Ray. Still disappointing he didn't get drafted. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he did. I know he signed on with the Celtics after the fact, and I believe he even got into a couple games. But I always felt he got robbed. Um, and when Lowry and Foy got uh, – they were drafted highly. I mean, I know Foy was sixth overall and Lowry was like 21, 22, something like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still a little upset over that. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, great honor for both of them. I'm really happy it's going to be against the Kansas game when uh, everyone's going to be in attendance and we all get to look back on Alan Ray's career and Jim Washington's as well. Yeah, you want to talk about playing for the ones that came before you. Nothing like doing it in one of the biggest games with a couple of guys getting the jerseys retired. If I were them, you know you can't have that happen on a loss. Oh, no, no, there's no way. There's no way. No, no, 
Not at all. And just for clarification, Villanova retires the jerseys. So the numbers still stay in circulation, but it's kind of a way to honor the player. The only exception to that is Paul Arizin, his number 11 is the only one that is not given out anymore. That's the only one. Yeah, it was it was really confusing reading through that. I'm like, wait a minute. Like These numbers have definitely been worn before, uh, after, especially after they played, and uh, we were kind of having this discussion off air. So they retire the jersey itself, not the number. Yes, yes. Okay. Like there's going to be a plaque with that number and all that. And it's going to be, you know, part of the pavilion, but those numbers will still stay in circulation unless if they decide to not do that in the future. Right. I got you. Yeah. Cause I remember in the old pavilion, I remember from hanging from the rafters was the Jersey numbers. And, but I've always said like, Oh, those, like those numbers have definitely been worn again. I mean, players on the team right now have are wearing them but yeah i guess that's that's how they go about it it's still cool i don't care so this was the first time villanova retired a jersey since 2011 i gotta ask you you know after alan ray after jim washington two villanova goats who do you want next who, who should get their jersey retired next i think the obvious answer at least on my end and call me modern biased or stupid millennial but i think scotty reynolds should absolutely 100 percent be honored some way somehow i mean come on he hit probably the biggest shot in program history before chris jenkins walked on the campus so i i think he should definitely get it and heck even dante cunningham for what he's done as well and he's probably had the most prolonged villanova basketball career in recent memory outside of Kittles. So, yeah, I think those two should definitely get some form of honor. Definitely Scotty, AP All-American, biggest shot. You got to get them in there some way. Now, for Cunningham prolonged career, do you mean NBA career? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, yes. okay. Yes. I remember the old pavilion when they did hang the jerseys on the top, you know, the little banners. I don't know what the current configuration looks like because I have yet to make the pilgrimage. Trying to, might have to cover a game there. Most definitely have to cover a game there, without a doubt. But, yeah, I, I remember thinking, wow, they haven't done Scotty Reynolds. That's, that's kind of shocking. I would have loved to see him there. I think next it has to either be him. You could also make a case for Kyle Lowry, but his college career wasn't exactly, you know, most of his exploits came as an NBA player. Yes, he was great in college, but he was even better as an NBA player. So I, I could see why they might want to hold off on that. But definitely you got to do Scotty. And then after that, is it too early? Do do we ju- is, do you think there's a line like if I said let's jump to straight oh, no. to Jalen Brunson? Like do you think? Oh, oh. <laughs> do you think I, it's I a way we before go- like Arch and like Ochefu? <laughs> I thought you were going straight to Arch there. Uh, <laughs> no, I I don't think that's crazy at all. I I really don't. I mean, what Jalen's done, what Jalen did here was absolutely amazing i mean heck you can even do mikhail if you really wanted to as well i feel like if you're going to do him you might as well get bridges in with him as well you might you might as well do the whole 2018 team honestly the starting five (laughs) (laughs) Um, i'm all for that we all you know that this is a side point i do do agree with you on uh, kyle lowry obviously he was great when he was at villanova but just i think just because scotty was there for four years yeah oh without a doubt he has to he has to go there i think he just gets and you know about what this program means and staying the whole four years. I think that just gives them a little bit of a, an edge. And I know kind of Scotty left a little unceremoniously. I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I, 
obviously we all know how 2010 went. So I think that's, I don't know if that's the reason why they haven't done it yet. I have no idea. Just speculating. I, I'm probably way off on that. But uh, yeah, they, I 100% believe it should be Scotty Reynolds first and then maybe Dante Cunningham right there with him. Yeah, who knows when the next Jersey retirement will be? It looks like they're, they're taking their sweet time. But I guess now you got this nice new pavilion. Oh, you got to you got to fill it up. You got to fill it up now. Oh, for sure, you definitely do. You have all this room now. Nice new arena. Yeah. You might as well, you know, honor the guys of the past with it. You think Alan Ray was like, "Oh, no, no, no. Hold off. I want it against Kansas next year. I heard you guys are playing Kansas. I want it next year." Oh, the pavilion's going to be <laughs> finished by then? Oh, definitely. Definitely then. <laughs> um, yeah. I I wouldn't I wouldn't blame him one bit. After the game at the Wells Fargo Center, he'll be able to check it out. It'll look nice in the new pavilion. He he saw he knew he knew what the old pavilion was about. He was like, I can't have that hanging in there yet. No, I gotta wait. No. I gotta wait till the new one's ready. <laughs> State of the art jersey retirement for sure. Also, it, if we're, if we're doing a highlight pack to honor these guys beforehand, please don't show the eye injury. Please don't. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Oh, Definitely God. not not safe for the kids. I made yeah. the mistake of looking that up because I remember uh, when I wrote the Father Rob piece and he was telling me that story, I thought it was absolutely crazy. So then I, I looked up, I saw it, and I was I regretted it. It was pretty bad. It was like the Kevin Ware injury, like in terms of shock factor. Yes. It was, it was that bad. Yeah, and you didn't even realize what was happening when you were watching the game, and then they, they showed the replay, and even the first go-through, couple go-throughs, and you realize it, and then they slowed it down. To yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 milliseconds. Like, oh, that's that's not how he's supposed to look, no. And it kind of sucks that he's kind of remembered more for that than anything else, but yeah. He, he was still great. I don't care. He was great in 2K6. <laughs> <laughs> that man can hit from anywhere. <laughs> First time I met Randy Foy, I told him he was my boy in 2K. What do you say to that, Eugene? He left. He thought it was hilarious. Oh, see, I, I feel like they appreciate that. <laughs> I, I feel like if you tell them that you're their video game uh, homeboys, I guess, they, I think they like that a lot. I'm sure, though, he would have followed up and asked, uh, what's my rating? And then I would have said, it needs to be higher. I'll tell you that. It needs to be higher. <laughs> Brown knows are you. Yeah, you know, because I feel like a lot of people go to Randy Ford and like, oh, I loved you back then. This is different. You're my boy in 2K. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is a different uh It's a different, different angle. Mm-hmm. Based off, like, hockey players. Like, I know, like, they love, like, discussing, like, their own NHL ratings and whatever. And when – and playing that they both playing as themselves and other players like in that game. So like, I'm sure it definitely in 2k and uh, Madden, I'm sure those guys like, like it the same. Yeah. And, and when I met Randy Foy, it was uh, right after the Sterling Gibbs incident. And he was oh. there, he was at that game. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it was a crowded media room. We're waiting for the press conference. And I realized, you know, I'm standing next to Randy Foy felt like I had to say something. Didn't know what to say. I don't want to be like a, like a lame like, Oh, uh, you know, Go to Nova, huge fan. You're you're a goat. <laughs> Yo, you're my boy in 2K. <laughs> <laughs> Way to break the ice there. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna use that for now. And if I were to ever be in the presence of a uh, great athlete, I'm just gonna say you're my boy in whatever sport, video game they relate to. Even though I didn't play as them, I'll just break the ice with that. I think that's a good way to get the conversation going. Worked with Ray Rice, but that's a story for another time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get beat up. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs>
All right, back to business. We got the Myrtle Beach Invitational later on today. Starting off with Middle Tennessee State, the Blue Raiders. may know them most famously for recently upsetting Michigan State. They were pretty much considered a hot upset pick in recent memory when it came to, all right, here's this 12 seed that we're going to trot out or this 15 seed we're going to trot out, Middle Tennessee State, and everyone seemed to hop on them. This year, the story's a little different, but Chris, what can we expect from this year's Blue Raiders? Well, before I dive into this year's squad, I, I just want to make mention, yeah, you are right, that as a 12 seed, and I believe it was the 2017 tournament, they played Minnesota, and they were actually favored as a 12 seed, betting-wise, and that's just crazy to think about, and they actually ended up beating Minnesota pretty handily, I believe, in that game, so... So much for that. But yeah, this middle Tennessee State squad uh, started off the year okay. They won, they won their first three games, and then they ended up losing the Coastal Carolina this past Monday, who also happens to be in this Myrtle Beach tournament. But on the other side of the bracket, they lost 93-72. to 72. On the individual side, they got Antonio Green. He's averaging 23.5 points. You got C.J. Jones averaging 20 points. So look out for them. Both guards and both pretty small this team as a whole is pretty small just to kind of echo what Catherine Ryan wrote at VU Hoops only one person over six foot five I believe it was she said in the article that's uh pretty pretty odd to see uh you expect someone out there to be a little bit taller so this is a very small squad and they run a lot of guards so hopefully the big guys can feast inside this game and uh, hopefully the guards like Moore and Gillespie and maybe even Antoine, if he's uh, able to match up to the task with green and Jones. And then lastly, rounding out like a big three, they got Jace Johnson, a sophomore guard. He's averaging 11 points so far this year. Yeah. This is a guard heavy team just on paper. They kind of remind me of like a street ball team. Like if you ever watch a pickup game, very little defense, everyone's saving all their energy for offense. And these guys are kind of the same way. They can't wait to go back on offense. So Villanova can't afford to give them any extra possessions, whether it be a stupid offensive rebound, which shouldn't happen because of how small they are, or turnovers. Villanova can't afford to do that. We know that Villanova has had its issues with turnovers a little bit early or not really um, making the most out of their offensive possessions. They can't really afford to do that against Middle Tennessee State. This is a team that just wants to shoot, shoot at will, shoot at all costs. They're pretty good at draining the three. They got two guys that could just fill it up very well. A nice one-two punch there with Green and Jones. These guys can score once they heat up. It's going to be a problem. So let's not help them out by giving them extra possessions. But other than that, as a team that focuses only on offense, that means as long as Villanova's defense is, one, ready to go, and two, able to kill it offensively, as long as we do not give them any extra position, possessions, this should really not be that is, that big of an issue of a game. I don't really think it should be a problem. I think it's pretty telling that they won their first three games of the year, two against non-Division one opponents, and then by the time they go up against Coastal Carolina in a little pre-Myrtle Beach Invitational matchup, they got destroyed. I don't think Villanova should have an issue here. This is a team that just wants to shoot, Everything else is not that good. They're not that great when it comes to rebounding. They're not that great at defense. They don't really take good care of the ball, so they turn it over a ton too. So I don't think this should be an issue for Nova. I really think this should just be an easy win. Just don't let Green and Jones have a field day, and the Wildcats should be perfectly okay. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you here. This should be a pretty easy victory. Hopefully nothing too crazy happens on an early Thursday morning. But, yeah, even despite the gaudy numbers of Green and Jones, uh, according to Ken Palm, Middle Tennessee is still 186 in adjusted offense and 179 in adjusted defense. So really not too much to write home about. And just to clarify a point I made before, it, it's not 6'5". They only have one uh, player over 6'8". I should say, just to clarify that. I didn't want to any misinfo floating out there. But yeah, this should be pretty easy, like I said. And I agree with you on the turnovers. Just keep that down. And I just want to see improvements over the last couple games. Just make it a little easier win and just go from there. And this is a game they should really win in a blowout. And hopefully they do. Yeah, we, we need to get those Brian Antoine minutes as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, Pom, Ken Palm has this as a 94% chance that Nova wins. I like those odds. I'm also agreeing with those odds. And I think Nova should advance without any major issues to go on to the semifinals. Agreed. And if they win that, they should be most likely playing Mississippi State. But there's a possibility Tulane could be the next opponent, obviously, because they are playing Mississippi State. Yeah, Nova will take on Tulane or Mississippi State. And honestly, I understand that this is a a pretty big year for Tulane. They already have 75% of the wins that they had last season. So it's already a major improvement under Ron Hunter of falling off the stool fame over at Georgia State. Unfortunately, though, while this is an improved season so far for Tulane and a much better start, although the opposition hasn't been exactly the greatest, I don't think that they're going to have what it takes to beat Mississippi State. Mississippi State's pretty good, and they've been pretty good without doing it without one of the top players, Nick Weatherspoon, who's out currently serving a 10-game suspension. And I honestly expect Villanova to take on Mississippi State. It's Ben Howland. Honestly, I didn't even realize he ended up in Mississippi State until we were doing like the preview for this. He's the former UCLA guy, right? Yeah, long time UCLA guy. Yeah. He's been at Mississippi State since 2016. They haven't been too bad as of late. He really started turning them around in 2018. The last couple years have been great. They do still have some solid talent in Reggie Perry. I think Reggie Perry is the ultimate big boy to watch for on this team. Uh, he's pretty good, and so is Tyson Carter. Really liking what I see from those two guys. This should be a pretty solid test for Nova. Just looking at this is a team that rebounds pretty well, pretty tough inside. And I think, you know, no better way to get your big men all tested than going up against a team that we're going to see contrasting ideologies on offense. Middle Tennessee State likes to shoot from outside, and then Mississippi State likes to work inside. So, pretty cool little contrast here over the first two rounds of the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Yeah, you get two different types of work in, and hopefully it is Mississippi State. And I know we kind of joked about it before that this field isn't all that impressive, but if it does break the right way, I guess, it, this would still be a quality team to play. And if they end up winning, it'll be a very quality win. Come March, it'll definitely help out come seeding time and all that. But yeah, to your point, that it is two different styles of play. Middle Tennessee State, was top 25 in adjusted tempo, according to Kempom. So they do like the run and gun, like you were saying before. And Mississippi State's 310th. So they do like to slow the game down and feed it inside and work in a half court. So, yeah, two different styles in, uh, in back-to-back succession. Hopefully they're able to adjust on the fly and uh, get two victories out of it. Yeah, the other thing, too, with Mississippi State, this is another tough team. Not to make a, a pun on their mascot, but they really are bulldogs on the defensive end as well. Reggie Perry's no joke. I'm really high on him. Uh, he had a great season last year as a freshman, and so far he seems to still be solid. Tyson Carter's pretty good too. 
I'm looking forward to this matchup. I want to say Villanova wins and makes it to the final, but this will definitely be a lot tighter than the Middle Tennessee State game. This will probably be Villanova's first real quality opponent since the Ohio State game. And I mm-hmm. can't wait to see how Nova re- responds and does up against a type of quality opponent like that. Because, yeah, like you said, this is going to be a solid win come tournament time, come time to look at the resumes and see what Villanova's done. Because this team made the NCAA tournament last year. I'd imagine that they're going to be another 20-plus win team this year. The more you can build up those wins against these kinds of programs, especially against a Power 5 opponent, always good for resume. Always good for resume. And also, I want Villanova to advance because anything less of the final would just be flat-out disappointing, honestly. Yeah, it, it really would be. It, it really would. And uh, we, we know the tournament streak that they got going on, and to see it end in a field like this would uh, not be great. No, no, not at all. Not at all. And that game, that potential Mississippi State game will be Friday at around 2, I think it said. 2 or 2.30, it says right now. It doesn't have a definitive time. So, yeah, they'll be right back at it, like, plus about 24 hours later. So, it's it's just like uh, any other March tournament, I guess. Yeah, the only break is going into the championship game, which can be any one of these four teams, Ohio, Bobcats, again, the Baylor Bears, Utah Utes, and the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Chris, I think there are pretty much two main candidates, but there's one team that I'm ultimately expecting to emerge. But as we joked about before and as we pointed out before, it never really goes according to plan. And right now I'm expecting Baylor to be the team that emerges out and makes it to the championship game to take on Nova. It's got to be. I mean, you get another top 25 matchup uh, early in the season. It's a great way to get your improve your team and get another quality W up there. Um, I, I really don't want to face Ohio again, and I think if they do, things must have gone horribly wrong. You got to face a quality opponent in these tournaments, and I just feel like every single year with the potential big matchup at the end, it always goes not according to plan. I know we keep saying it, but I guess if we keep saying it, we're going to reverse jinx it this year. So hopefully, that's what ends up happening, and they do face a. Big 12 opponent that's pretty damn good. Yeah, just looking at this Baylor squad, they're looking pretty solid so far. Jared Butler, who's one of their top returning players from last year, he's looking like he's filling in that leading man role just okay. He's averaging over 20 points per game so far, and the man can flat out shoot it if he wants. Great scorer, great all-around player. Then they also got a couple of different guards around him, like Masio Teague, Devontae Bandu, and Freddie Gillespie. No relation to Colin. One thing that's been a little disappointing is that Tristan Clark, their big man inside, he was such a beast last year before he went down with a season-ending knee injury. I think he's still recovering, still trying to get his feet and legs under him. So he's not going to be back to big man threatening form yet. But I do want to point out, did you know that Baylor has a guy who's named Flo Thamba? That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, his name is Flo Thamba. It's like Mo Bamba, but it's not. It's Flo Thamba. Uh, there's there's a parody song in there somewhere. I'm sure some student on Baylor's campus is going to make some somehow. <laughs> That's great. All best names team in college basketball. Flo Thamba, definitely first team ballot right there. Yeah. Starting five right there. <laughs> so uh, I, I take it you think it's going to be Nova Baylor in the championship, but do you think Nova's streak continues of these midseason tournaments or does it finally come to an end? If they were to get to the final and it were to be against Baylor, I do think they pull it out. I will say this. I think 
Mississippi State might be the trickiest game. Not basing that off any singular stat. I'm just – it's just a hunch. I, I don't know why. Back-to-back games, I just don't like it. I think they'll still win. But if, if I were to pick one game that I think that'll trip them up, it'll be that Mississippi State game, assuming Mississippi State wins. Now, if Tulane wins, then all bets are off, and I think they'll cruises again for the second day in a row. But most likely Mississippi State, and I think Villanova might struggle a bit in that game. Yeah, I could just see the back-to-back tripping them up. We, you know, we do have to remember that this is a young team. You don't want them to overlook or skip anything or just kind of be caught up in just the quick turnaround. The Baylor game, I do think, will be very tough. This is a team that's very good defensively. They do like to force a lot of turnovers. They're very good at it. They've taken the ball away from opponents on over 23% of their possessions. That's pretty high. And as long as Nova can play a clean game, that shouldn't be an issue. But right now, it looks like Villanova is still figuring itself out. So I can see that one being tough. I do see the concern with the Mississippi State game. It will be the first quality opponent. And I feel like so far, it's been two drastic ends of the spectrum from Nova against two not-so-good opponents. Like, for example, you know, they crushed Army. They beat Ohio once they got themselves together, and it was a pretty easy, solid win once they got settled in. But then you had the Ohio State game, and that's not ideal. We haven't really seen a lot of this Nova team yet, so I think after these first two games, we'll get a pretty good tell. But right now, uh, I'm mostly concerned about the Baylor game. I think Villanova has what it takes to repeat. But that Baylor game is the one that I'm pretty concerned about. Unless if Baylor gets upset, then I don't, I'm not too scared of anyone else on that other side of the bracket. But I think Baylor should take care of business, and we'll see a top 25 matchup for the final. If Villanova takes it and extends that midseason championship streak. Kind of in the spirit of last year, where DCR kind of came out of nowhere to win the MVP. Who do you think is uh, the MVP this year? Do we see another kind of out of nowhere winner, or do you think it's going to probably go to, like, City Bank? I'm going with Jeremiah Robinson, Earl. I, I, he, I think he'll, he'll be my MVP pick. Uh, you took mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess for the sake of being different, I'll go Jermaine Samuels. Why I was going to say big game Jermaine, number two, if I couldn't take, if I couldn't take JRE, big game Jermaine. I think we're going to see a big game for Mr. Jermaine. I would say him, and then Justin Moore is my dark horse. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I see that going. Now, this is obviously assuming Villanova wins the tournament, which is obviously no sure thing. But if we're going with – if Villanova wants to have a good Myrtle Beach showing, I think uh, Jermaine Samuels is going to have Yeah, I would say anything short of the final would be a disappointing performance. Like if they get bounced out of the semis, I would be very sad with that result. Championship performance, as long as it's – you know, obviously I think they're going to win, but I wouldn't think it was the end of the world if they did not win the whole thing. But I feel like they should just because the competition isn't the greatest. I will say, though, this tournament would have been a lot more interesting if Memphis was in it. Yeah, it would have been interesting, too, because with the whole Wiseman thing going on, it would have definitely brought some attention to it, that's for sure. Yeah, what's up with that? The NCAA finding new ways to punish people in boneheaded ways. Yeah. Basically, they're holding him hostage. They're like, oh, all right, well, if you want to get back into the court after 12 games, you're going to have to pay $11,500 to your favorite charity. Yeah, I, I can't believe they're having him do that. When you told me that, I was like, what? Because I, look, I'll be honest, just read the headline when I saw Wiseman was only out for the next handful of games. I was like, oh, all right, I guess the NCAA is up to their usual shenanigans where nothing makes sense. Everything's made up and points don't matter, but now you got to donate to chat. Like, what does that <laughs> undo that he, or, that he did? Like, it makes no sense. It doesn't, un- it's so stupid. 
It's so stupid. Yeah, can you imagine, like, everyone who had some sort of trouble, it was like, oh, if I just volunteer, could I just get my suspension reduced? Like, like what is this? Is this just a new creative way for the NCAA to, quote-unquote, find somebody? It makes yeah. no sense. It's pretty atrocious. And, as always, the NCAA finds new ways to make a clown out of itself. Yep. They always do it to themselves. Heck, imagine if they had to do that for Omari. Imagine if it was that easy for Omari Spellman a couple of years ago, where all he had to do was donate to charity. I would have donated at least half to that. Yeah, I that's what I was, yeah, was going to say. Yeah, what if he like starts a GoFundMe page? I'm pretty sure there are some Memphis alumni out there that will gladly foot the bill for him. God, I'm sure the, the students alone would probably hit the bill for him. <laughs> yeah, if you got $1 from every student, I'm sure you could easily pay that off. Yeah, easily. It's ridiculous. But, hey, here we are. It's the NCAA's world, and we're all just living in it. But it's okay. I'll take the Myrtle Beach Invitational as is. It should still be pretty fun either way. Villanova basketball is back. Always got to love it. I don't know why. These games have been feeling too far apart from each other. Saturday to Thursday is not as bad as Tuesday to next Wednesday, but for some reason it felt like such a long layoff. I don't know why. I think I'm just antsy. Yeah, I think so, because uh, I, I happen to agree with you, just antsy, and just want to see this team get back out there and uh, set the world on fire. So Yeah, and I think also the Brian Antoine news has me has me pumped, has me a little excited. That too. Well, we're just going to have to wait and see. We're just going to wait and see. We'll level beyond ESPN this week, or ESPN Networks, I should say. Today, they'll be on ESPN2 at 11.30, so don't go on Fox Sports 1 trying to find them because you're not going to find anything. The only difference would be if they do make it to the championship, it'll be on main ESPN network on the main ESPN channel and not ESPN two or ESPN U. But today's ESPN two, 1130, depending on which route it goes. If it wins, it'll play at either two or two thirty. If it loses, it'll play in the consolation game at 12 PM in the losers bracket. Hopefully we're going to be playing later in the day. So people don't have to try to, Sneak it in the middle of the lunch breaks, you know. I know, I know, Chris. You're a little, you're a little frustrated by this. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, but hey, that's okay. If it means I gotta listen on the radio, which like I mentioned last episode, probably for the better. Uh, and they make it to the final mall for it. I'll take uh, the L in the watch department if it means the W on the court. Yeah, hopefully Villanova will be playing on this Sunday 5 p.m. championship slot. That's what we're looking at. Today, 11.30 a.m. Tomorrow, ideally 2 or 2.30 p.m. And then Sunday at 5. Hopefully, we won't have to worry about the loser bracket times. I'm not even... We, we no. shouldn't even advertise that. Uh, you're, you're doing it again. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're doing it no, again. No, no. Is- all right, all right. I'm going to cover all my bases. I'm going to cover all my bases. <laughs> this is West Villanova again, Eugene. South Villanova after after this weekend, baby. It's gonna be South Villanova after this weekend. Villanova Beach, Villanova Beach. Oh, Villanova Beach, better than Sheehan Beach. Yeah, much better, I would assume. I heard they changed it around a little bit. I don't know if that's true. I'm gonna have to visit campus. Uh, was there recently? They Sheehan Beach, I think, looks the same. I think it's pretty much the same. I don't, I didn't see anything different. Okay, someone said that they put a path in the middle of it. And I wasn't sure if that was true, and I thought that was pretty insane. They they might have. I wasn't too attentive, but when I was driving by, but I think it's I think it's the same. Yeah, I was there last May, so I don't remember too much. Looks great though. A lot a lot of changes. So oh yeah, it's all great. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. Please subscribe to the podcast. Look for View Hoops or State of the Nova Nation, and you should find it on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Megaphone. You got many, many options. Please tell a friend, tell a friend. Red is five star, five star, five star, five stars. And also, just want to let you know, since the next week is Thanksgiving week, as is tradition, we will only do one episode, and it will be on Wednesday morning instead of Tuesday. And that'll be it for the week since you know, everyone's got to spend time with the fam. So we're going to hit you on Wednesday. Hopefully you can listen to us as you're traveling to wherever you have your Thanksgiving. But we'll be back on Wednesday with more to talk about. Hopefully a lot of good things after this weekend. Hopefully a lot of positive things. Please follow View Hoops on social media. You can do so at View Hoops. And that's good for Twitter and Instagram. Join the conversation on the website, man. We are just going to be pumping out content for the Myrtle Beach Invitational. We got Catherine's preview on today. If you haven't gotten to see it, please check it out. Sound off in the comment section. Let us know what you think. Also, we'll have game threads. So if you want to join the conversation with a bunch of different Villanova fans, cheer, voice your frustration, whatever it may be. Please, please, please. It's a party in there. Please follow VU Hoops on social media at VU Hoops. And that's good for Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. And I'm Chris Stanzial. I got nothing. Follow Eugene. Follow the pod. Follow VU Hoops. Nova Nation, let's get this win today, and let's get this one on Friday, and then let's get that win on Sunday. Have a good weekend, everybody. Take care, and go Cats.